To it, it is the Derek Hunter Podcast. Where what the hell's the date? I don't care what the date is. The day is Friday, it's the fifth of August, twenty twenty-two. Appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend, all that good stuff, and I really appreciate the weekend. And I super duper ooper pooper scooper appreciate those of you who support the program at Patreon.com/slash Derek Hunter Podcast or at DerekHunter.locals.com. Two avenues. No matter how you choose to do it, you get extra shows. You get uh, contest entries. You get signed. I mean, you you get whatever you want. Basically, I'm not ashamed to whore myself out for five dollars a month. Anyway, appreciate it. Thank you so much. I want to get started with the program. So let's start with the program. We have a lot of things to get to, and a lot. But I'm telling you, I'm going to do a. It's not even a, a commercial because it's just a, a testimonial. I'm drink. I found these things that. Uh, Costco. They're called Celsius. I, I don't know. That's not spelled like it's spelled sort of like Celsius, except different. C E L S I U S. Live is a sparkling berry drink. It's quite delicious. No sugar. Allegedly gives you energy. I don't drink coffee, so this is about as close as I, this and a, you know a little two of cocaine. About as close as I get to having <laughs> coffee in the morning. No, I'm no Hunter Biden. Uh, but you know, this stuff, it does seem to wake you up. But uh, more importantly, it's delicious. Anyway, I highly recommend it. wasn't cheap, but it was like one of those impulse buys. It was like 20 bucks for a case of, I don't know, 20 or something like that. But it is good. It's good. I'll buy it again. But when it's on sale. They, ha- they didn't even have samples. I just like the I like the cut of their jib. I like the look of their box. And I said, I'm going for it. Anyway, like I say, we've got a lot going on. There's a bunch happening in this pr- crazy little planet, this rock we call our world. And I want to cover as much of it as humanly possible. I want to start off today with a follow-up on something... Um, I had yesterday played you the audio yesterday of uh, Carolyn Maloney, New York Congresswoman, and part of the debate she had with Gerald Nadler, where they both are out there, both Dem- both longtime Democrats, now forced to go up against each other. She's seventy six, he's seventy five. She's got more energy than he does. He looks terrible. He looks terrible. Gerald Nadler used to be. Um, What's the polite way to put this? Morbidly obese. Yeah, gravitational pull. Midgets used to get caught in his orbit and burn up in his atmosphere. He's a huge guy. And then uh, I remember this had to be, good God, 15, 20 years ago. There was this Chinese, there still is this Chinese restaurant over on the house side that I used to go to and I worked at the Heritage Foundation. So if I worked at the Heritage Foundation, it had to be about 20 years ago. And me and my friends, we'd always go over there. It was good food. And one day, Gerald Nadler was Gerald Nadler was sitting there a lot over the course of a couple of years. You'd see him a lot. And one day, we noticed him, and he looked like, I don't know, like he'd been stranded on a desert island. He looked a little bit like Tom Hanks after Castaway. Like, holy cow, what happened to Gerald Nadler? He actually kind of looks healthy. He looks weird because Gerald Nadler was probably 400 pounds, more than 400 pounds. And so him dropping, 
half his body weight. There's a lot of skin there sitting around. But still, he looked better. Better than he did. He didn't, you know, Gerald Natalie used to look like he would get winded thinking. And he looked good. But then he put the weight back on. And then now it's off. But it's off in a way that seems to happen with elderly people where it's like an unhealthy the weight came off because he didn't have 20 years ago. He had a little bit of corresponding energy increase with his weight loss. Now he, he, he doesn't have it. Um, Maloney, Carolyn Maloney, a year older than Nadler, conducts herself much better. Like she, I don't know, eats a balanced diet. She seems to be awake. Nadler said that his greatest accomplishment in that debate, his greatest accomplishment was impeaching Bush twice. And he didn't catch himself. And so it's funny because George W. Bush is very anti-Trump. And uh, he sits there and quietly pulled behind the scenes, tries to stir up trouble because the Bushes don't like the Trump. Because I don't like the way he went after Jeb. He said he said Jeb was weak. Because not only said that because Jeb was weak, George. But uh, like, okay, fine. Be a little whiny. Be a little brat. But there's a big difference still, and George W. Bush has to be kind of cringing when Nadler says I am, when Nadler confuses him with Trump. I'm sure Trump thinks it's funny. But it shows you how out of touch Jerry Nadler is. He's not making the rounds after the, the debate, as far as I can tell, of doing media, because he doesn't have the energy. Carolyn Maloney does. They both said yesterday that uh, in the debate that they're not talking about Biden running for re-election. Nadler said he's not talking about it. And Maloney said she doesn't think he's going to. Well, in her apology tour, because you're not allowed to uh, speak ill of the president, you have to pretend. You have If you're a Democrat, most of what you do is just pretend, play the game. Oh, no, 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 no. Joe Biden is... He's smart as a whip. Joe, there's nobody better than Joe Biden. And you're sitting there and you're going, why would you say that? And they all say it. Whenever they, we met with the president. He was on the ball. He's in command. Like, you're, you're lying, okay? You're lying. We see the man. We see the footage of the man sitting there confused, terrified of deviating from the teleprompter, unable to pronounce names of people he knows. That, that's not... That's not a man who's got his full mental capacity. Now, is he on the verge of being institutionalized? No, but he's certainly on the decline. There's no question that he is on the decline. And you can pretend all you want that he's not, but he is, and we see it. Well, Carolyn Maloney went on CNN to try and, you know, stir up more support, raise some money, and she was naturally asked about her i don't think joe biden's going to run again basically wishful thinking and she had to uh what you're about to hear ladies and gentlemen if you are easily embarrassed on behalf of other people here consider this a trigger warning carolyn maloney had to I don't even know what I'm trying to think of the proper word prostrators or prostitute herself whatever she had to go on and uh, and to please the Democratic Party gods had to make a complete fool out of herself it was not a pile of crow it was a murder of crows 
but she was forced to consume. Alicia, Mr. President, I apologize. I want you to run. I happen to think you won't be running, but when you run or if you run, I will be there 100%. You have deserved it. You are a great president, and thank you for everything you've done for my state and all the states and all the cities in America. Thank you, Mr. President. (laughs) You know what happened in the last 24 hours between that uh, clip and the other clip is somebody at the DNC called her up and said, you know what, probably, under normal circumstances, it would be the president saw what you said and the president is not happy with what you said. But these aren't normal circumstances. It would be uh, Jill saw what you said, or Ron Klain saw what you said, or the uh, solar industry saw what you said, big windmills saw what you said, and they've got a lot of money invested in Joe Biden, and they've—he's already a lame duck, and he's not. See, this, this is the big risk that Democrats don't want this thought out there in the mainstream. Is they uh, they need the prospect, just the prospect, not the promise, but the prospect of a second term. If Joe Biden becomes a lame duck right now, he's going to get even less done. The goodwill and fear of, because there are some Democrats who, while they don't like Joe or they don't like his policies, they want to distance themselves from his unpopularity, they go, all right, well, the president can still raise a ton of money. President can still raise a ton of money. The president still has some sway with some big donors. And, and if I tick off that guy, those people, it'll be problematic. So I also, if the president wins re-election, the threat of a president winning re-election and being on the wrong side of that president, showing that he's popular with the base, is a threat to many other Democrats. Because, I mean, just look at, what happened to people who opposed Donald Trump. I know Democrats like to pretend they're above such things and they would never, they're exactly the same. What has happening with Donald Trump supporters is nothing new. It's, it's ridiculous and they're crying about it because they need to cry about something, but it's, it's not all that different from what normally goes on. So they can't tick off biden or his handlers they have to be afraid of that prospect so she has to go on see now i don't know where nadler is maybe nadler will do a remote hit from his desk where he's got his head down or maybe he'll issue a statement in in writing where he goes of course i support joe biden's running for real he's the greatest president we've ever had what with how he gave afghanistan to terrorists and how he brought us inflation or what have you. But I just wanted to show you what, I can't say links, what depths politicians will go to in the name of maintaining their position and their power. It's kind of sad. It's kind of pathetic. I said that uh, Maloney has the wherewithal. She's got more energy. She certainly does. Um, But watching somebody do this, Watching, I'd, I'd vote for Nadler if I were a Democrat up in New York. I just, I wouldn't be able to have respect for somebody who did this for themselves, for the present, for anybody, just to maintain power. Now we're gonna shift gears away from sucking up and apologizing and oh my goodness, kissing the butt of Joe Biden. 
and uh, turn it to other things. I, the Dobbs decision, that was the, the Mississippi versus whatever is the, the decision that overturned Roe v. Wade is still the bane of Democrats' existence. They are upset that uh, currently there are uh, pregnancies being carried to term. Not really. No, I don't think anybody's been... If there was somebody who's like, oh, I've been forced to give birth, they would have their own show by now on on weekends, at least at MSNBC. So I highly doubt that it's actually happening. But uh, Karen Jean-Pierre, have I mentioned that Karen Jean-Pierre is uh, historic? She is uh, lesbian and black and an immigrant herself, a legal immigrant. And those are becoming rarer and rarer these days. They're certainly becoming the minority, legal immigrants to this country. So she's super duper pooper scooper historic. Amazing. Kudos to her. Well, she was at the podium yesterday, and I swear to God, I've never seen anybody so bad at their job. I watched all seven hours or whatever it was of the uh, Anthony Scaramucci administration in the White House, in the White House press room. Uh, that one press conference where he went up there and it was probably a couple of hours where he just, uh, I don't know, argued with everybody about everything. I kind of thought it was amusing at the time, but it, by the end of it, I was like, all right, enough, dude. It's time to go. That, I thought, was a uh, a fecal show because it was. Yet, Karen Jean-Pierre, that had nothing on Karen Jean-Pierre because on top of... Being incompetent, she is historic on top of it. What's amazing to me is that Scaramucci lasted a week, whatever it was, and um, he was lambasted and is still lambasted to this day for how terrible he was at being White House communications director. And I think he, he I don't think he did any more press briefings. I mean, he was only there for a week, so what could he have done? But he is mocked repeatedly for that and don't get me wrong he deserves to be mocked repeatedly for that but he was better than Karine Jean-Pierre significantly better than Karine Jean-Pierre and yet she has been subject of piece after piece after piece these puff pieces these little oh let's do a biography of Karine Jean-Pierre as first of all as if the world is going we need to know more about this person who comes out and lies to us badly we need to know more. Tell me the background of this person who can only read irrelevant quotes from that three-ring binder. I must know more about this person. Nobody's clamoring to go, I got to know more about Karine Jean-Pierre. Yet the New York Post, or the New York Times, Washington Post, uh, USA Today, MSNBC, CNN, the major networks, they've all done puff pieces about here's her background she's so historic she is the first one she had a whole feature like 15 minutes on good morning america where the today it was the today show one time about how historic she is she's wonderful and you're sitting there going she sucks okay you want to know what's historic somebody in the major leagues who hits zero 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 it's historic that is a new level of of suck if they are not cut Maybe they're, you know, there's a guy, what was his name? He is, uh, it's kind of a funny story. It's one of those random baseball card stories where you're like, what is it? What's his name? All right, here, let me find it, damn it. 
He is a uh, pinch runner. He was a he was, I should say, a pinch runner. That was all he did. He was signed by the uh, the A's to be a pinch runner. There is Herb Washington. He actually got one baseball card in the 1975 top set. It's kind of funny. He is a pinch runner. And you're sitting there, and there he is leading off of first base. And his uh, position where they have the position is pinch run. You're sitting there going, what? What the hell kind of pinch run? Historic. Not something, never got, I don't think he ever got an at-bat. I really don't know if he ever got an at-bat, but he got, let's see, he got into 91 games. He's, this is in 1974, so 1975 tops card. So the always baseball cards are always the year before uh, for statistics. He got into 91 games. He scored 29 runs. He had 28 stolen bases, and he was caught stealing 16 times. And the thing is, assigned by Oakland owner Charles Finley strictly for pinch running duties last season. Herb was personally responsible for winning nine games for the A's in 1974 with his speed. He's holder of the world indoor record for 50-yard dash. Did he even do the 50-yard dash? 50-yard dash in five seconds flat and 60-yard dash at 5.8 seconds. He's 6'1", 170 pounds. Just kind of, he lives in, lived in at least 1975 in Flint, Michigan. Went to Michigan State, apparently, for running. But I, that's, I love, he's historic. But he doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. He doesn't belong, you know, he doesn't deserve puff piece after puff piece after puff. He played in one season. And he never got in that bat. All he did was pinch run. So, and his, you know, stolen bases to caught stealing thing is not, which is no Ricky Henderson. I'll tell you that, he's no Ricky Henderson. So that Karine Jean-Pierre is celebrated because she's so historic. There are all sorts of things that are historic. That doesn't mean it's worthy of celebration. That's why you should really only ever celebrate accomplishment, achievement, or some sort of goal achieved. You know, somebody gets married. That's not really, well, depending on how big of a jerk they are, I guess that can be an achievement. You're like, somebody married that? <laughs> all right. Good for them. Uh, but you know, most of the time it's, that's, it's a life goal. It's a benchmark or whatever, but a promotion, a uh, raise, a, uh, something that you actually tangibly achieve that should be celebrated, not existence. Look at my skin color and bow before it. Now we kind of had that system down in the South before the Civil War and after the Civil War, both thanks to the Democrats. And it's, of course, makes perfect sense that the Democrats would continue that to this day. They stick with what works, no matter how repugnant it is. Anyway, we're straying from how incompetent Karine Jean-Pierre is. Historically incompetent. I mean, if you really want to celebrate her for being historic, it's for being historically incompetent, to be perfectly honest with you. As such, we uh, had this clip yesterday where she's still talking about the Dobbs decision. And she declares, uh, I'll tell you what this reminds me of in a second, but I just, uh, you cannot, I'm trying to think of a way to set this up, but you cannot prepare somebody for this level of stupidity. You really can't. It is, you know, 
people step up their game at the Olympics. This is the Olympics of stupid. So good on maybe Corinne Jean-Pierre is historic in a way that needs to be recognized. Just listen for it. You'll pick up on it. It's kind of in the middle of this short clip. From day one, when uh, when the Supreme Court made this extreme decision uh, to take away a, a constitutional right, uh, it was an unconstitutional, unconstitutional action by them, a right that was around for almost 50 years, a right that women had to make a decision on their bodies and how they want to start their families. <laughs> Is it un- a Supreme Court decision? Was this was unconstitutional, and that's a new level of that is an amazing level of stupid. That's a level of stupid that I think most people would not be able to achieve on their own, or even conceive of. To be honest with you, but it's um, admirable. The idea it's unconstitutional. Now, what's funny is the Democrats are out there and they're going, oh, my God, well, we'll fight. The, if they, they won't give us this on the federal level, we'll fight. We'll fight. We'll fight. We'll fight in the state. That's exactly what you're supposed to do. That's what the very foundation of our government is. The federal government has very limited powers and duties and responsibilities. And the rest are left up to the states and the people to decide. So if a state wants to outlaw something, they can as long as it doesn't violate the Bill of Rights, the things expressly laid out in the Bill of Rights. Otherwise, and then, you know, people can leave that state. They go, this sucks. I don't want to live in this state. They don't allow me to do whatever. Then you leave it. Oh, but some people can't afford to move. Well, if it matters enough to you, you'll find a way to make it. And it might actually be a motivation to get some people off their butts and become productive members of society, if only so they can flee whatever it is. Look, there there are conservatives who will flee California and New York, not just over uh, Roe, but over anything. They have been. There are a bunch of liberals who have been fleeing New York and California too. That's the beauty of it. The thing is, Democrats want to make sure you have nowhere to go. They want to make sure that you are trapped. Uh, you can, oh, you can move from New York to Florida, but you're not going to escape their bad policies. No, sir, Rebub, you're not interested. You're not allowed to do that. You can't. They don't care where you physically live as long as they have control over you in the ways that matter, which are, you know, with your labor, your liberty, your, your, they want a piece of the action. They want your money. They want to make sure you don't get to do the things you want to do that they don't want you to do, so on and so forth. You can do that in New Mexico. You can do that in North Dakota. I'm trying to think of states I never use as examples. Because <laughs> who, who thinks of those states? North, when's the last time anybody cited North Dakota for anything? But it doesn't matter where you live. They want control over you. It's not enough that in liberal bastions where Democrats have absolute control, they will be giving out abortion like it's Halloween. They'll be giving out tokens for abortions like it's Halloween. They're giving out Halloween candy. It's not enough. It's that the places where they don't want abortion, where they don't want to pay for abortion, that they are uh, saying that's where we have to have abortion. We must have abortion there, too. Why? Why? Well, because because what? Because this is what democracy looks like? You take people who clearly don't want something 
And then you say, well, we're going to give it to you anyway. That doesn't really strike me as super democratizing, is it? I don't think so. And that's what the, the Democrats do. This is what they care about. Inflation through the roof, gas prices, unaffordable food, baby formula shortage still going on. And we're months away from that getting resolved. And yesterday there was a big show by remote. They had they couldn't even wait for Joe to be able to do this in person, probably because if he did it in person, there'd be a possibility that he'd answer a question. So he did it via teleconference with his staff. CNN has the story. President Joe Biden on Wednesday signed an executive order to help ensure access to abortion in light of the Supreme Court's decision earlier this summer to eliminate the constitutional right to the procedure. You got to love the way, you know, wonder why CNN is in the toilet. It's wording like that. The president said the order helps women travel out of state to receive abortions, ensures health care providers comply with federal law so women aren't delayed in getting care. Care, it's such care. Please get this out of me. Why will it? You know, care is we need to get that out of you. Uh, that tumor is going to kill you or that tumor is going to cause you severe pain or whatever. Not we're going to get that out of you because, you know, yuck, it's a baby. Anyway... <laughs> <laughs> receive abortions to ensure that we're not getting care and advance research and data collection quote to evaluate the impact that this reproductive health crisis is having on maternal health i think it's having on maternal health and other health conditions and outcomes oh well on maternal health i don't know i'm no medical doctor but I think maternal health isn't really an issue if you're having an abortion, right? And if you're you're depressed, it, by the way, if you have an abortion and you're wildly depressed about it afterwards, don't worry. The Democrats want nothing to do with you and they'll pretend you don't exist. <laughs> so good luck with that. You're on your own. Biden spoke of the, quote, chaos and uncertainty that has ensued in the wake of the Supreme Court's decision and said, quote, women's health and lives are on the line. Yeah, there's a female baby in there. But it is illegal for this is how desperate Democrats are. Now, imagine if they thought this creatively about, I don't know, inflation, if they thought this creatively about anything about anything they just have no interest in any it's the things they care about that they put this sort of uh, innovative creative thought into they cannot use medicare money they cannot use federal money to pay for abortions so they're creating a loophole they're they, now they want to get rid of the loopholes in the tax code which aren't really loopholes they're actual straight up deductions that were created by democrats and Republicans by elected officials in the tax code. They're not loopholes to uh, to save small businesses money, to spur innovation and investment and blah, blah, blah. Well, the Hyde Amendment is the law of the land, something Joe Biden supported his entire uh, political career, which is long. The Hyde Amendment expressly forbids federal tax money being spent on abortions. So what they're doing is they're going to use Medicaid money, which is supposed to be for the poor. So you're talking about people who are wildly parasitical. They're, they're on the government teat. Unless you're elderly and on Medicare and on a fixed income, you are 
28 years old and you're on Medicaid and you're not disabled, you're not, there's not something, you're just, it's, you're not super good at life. I know, heartless, heartless, heartless. But you know what? Speaking in generalities, it's true. It's for people who can't take care of themselves. And really the only way people can't take care of themselves is if you won't take care of yourself, if you've got other priorities, by and large, unless they're special circumstances. But you can't spend Medicaid money on abortion, so they're going to redirect Medicaid money that is supposed to be for the health care of the poor in this country. They're going to redirect that towards travel agencies. So... That money can be used to send women to other states, pay for their travel, pay for their hotel, pay for their, not for their abortion, but pay for everything up to that abortion. And then they're going to work to find a way to get around the Hyde Amendment or repeal the Hyde Amendment so they can ultimately pay for abortions. Now, when was the last time you took a trip, not even going to call it a vacation, but took a trip anywhere where the federal government picked up the check? Ever? Never, right? Yeah, never. So now, uh, according to the Biden administration, to get special treatment, to have the government hook you up, all you have to do is wildly act irresponsibly. And the government will belly up and pony up for your trip. Isn't that lovely? How many people are going to fake this? I'm betting a lot. Democrats won't care, though. It's not their money. What do they care? Uh, from the uh, bad things happening to bad people file. It's not very often the bad things happen to bad people. And so when they do, we have to relish it. It's usually, you know, that bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. Variety of all places. Poor CNN. Just not a good time to be over at CNN. A variety of reports. The CNN image for the past few years has been embodied by a passionate by passionate on-air personalities like Don Lemon or Brianna Keeler. <laughs> Most people are going, okay, I've heard of Don Lemon. Who the hell is Brianna Keeler? And that's kind of that's a real big problem for CNN. Is it's not that they're that's nobody knows who their personalities are, who their hosts are, and the ones that they do know, they know them for all the wrong reasons. They know them from viral clips. They go, oh, you hear every every media organization, every news outlet. They want to. Ha- That's the reason. Whenever you appear on uh, whatever cable news network X, they post the clip of your appearance, and they hope that you will tweet it out and Facebook it and Instagram it and everything. Why? Because they want a viral moment. And the people who are on, they desperately want a viral moment too. Why? Because if you get a viral moment you then get invited back. It's, uh, it's sad. It, it's not, you're not rewarded because, wow, did you see what that person said? It is so insightful and so brilliant. I hadn't thought of things in those terms, but now that I, I've heard it there, I've not only learned something, I'm smarter for having heard it. That's not the way cable news works. It's watch so-and-so scream at such-and-such over how they're an idiot and maybe they should fight. Like, oh, uh, and everybody watches that and the producers go, instead of going, God, I'm embarrassed that that happened. I'm sorry to the audience that we wasted your time on this this, uh, manhood measuring kind of. Instead, they go, this is great. We need to book them up for another one. Make sure you book them for the the next, next Tuesday. Every Tuesday, we'll, we'll hype it up, a rematch, and blah, blah, blah. And like, wow, that's, 
It's a lot of things. That's not cable news. That's not well. That's cable news. It's not news. You're not interested in the news aspect of news. Anyway, uh, yeah. If you're Don Lemon and Brianna Keeler, I think the most famous person, the most well-known person at CNN is still Chris Cuomo, and he was fired a year ago. <laughs> that's how sad it is for CNN. Said uh, these days, it might be best symbolized by beat reporters like Jamie Gangell or Caitlin Collins. Why? Tell me, if I didn't personally know Caitlin Collins from her work at the Daily Caller, I would not know who Caitlin Collins is. Jamie Gangell, you hear that name and you go, okay, that's a name I'll remember, but you couldn't name one story that Jamie Gangell broke. Give me that big Caitlin Collins scoop. I'll wait. Yeah, they don't exist. Gone in recent weeks, for the most part, are what had become the network's signature red versus blue showdowns between hot-talking contributors. God, this is this was written by a PR professional, not a journalist, because a journalist would have watched CNN before writing this story and said, this does not describe what CNN is. Or segments that hinge on an anchor scolding an interviewee. This is the kind of stuff that typically gives cable news a viral boost, hence what I was telling you about. In its place, CNN is trying something else. The news. <laughs> CNN, the CNN, I don't know if you know this or not, and I, you wouldn't, couldn't really be blamed if you didn't know this. The CNN stands for C, Cable, N, News, N, Network. Cable News Network. That's what CNN stands for. You wouldn't know it from watching CNN, but that's what it's supposed to stand for. Uh, and it could, uh, and it could guide what three people familiar with the network say will be some sort of recalibration of on-air talent that could become more apparent this fall. So they're toying with you. It could become more apparent. It's either going to become apparent or it's not going to become apparent. And the only way it becomes apparent is if they actually decide to do it. They decide to try to do news. It's going to be like watching a baby giraffe try to walk for the first time, only watching a baby giraffe walk for the first time on ice, except it's adults trying to be professional journalists when they simply have no skill whatsoever for the concept. Journalism has not been a priority for CNN for some time. Not at all, not remotely. So now they're going to try to do journalism with the very people that they still have up there, the people that they tried to bill as, oh, watch Don Lemon. He'll throw a sissy, uh, hissy fit at somebody. He'll, he'll smack down this Republican. Watch Brianna Keeler as she really gives the business to Senator Mike Lee or whatever. Like, hmm. No. No. Watch Brian Stelter. Nobody wants to watch Brian Stelter. But you expect people to take Brian Stelter seriously? Suddenly he changes his tune and tries to be fair? The guy can't be fair. He sucked up to Paul Krugman over the weekend in a way that ignored Paul Krugman's history of being wrong on just about everything, both politically and economically. And then, well, now it's somebody who knows what they're talking about. No. The only way to save CNN is to kill CNN, to wipe it clean and start over. You can have some of the same people there, but they all have to be fired and come back and interview for their jobs. They all have to earn their jobs again, earn their jobs the first time, since none of them seem to have earned their jobs at all. 
Quote, CNN seems to be moving back towards straight news and away from some of the blatant opinion mongering of its anchors that characterized its past few years, said Mark Feldstein, chairman of the Broadcast Journalism Department at the University of Maryland and a former CNN correspondent. <laughs> of course. That's the way the left does. They are like uh, an invasive parasite in your body. They... One it gets in, and then it reproduces, and then there's ten, and then there's, and then they send them out into the world too. Like we're going to go back to the University of Maryland, and we're going to create more of these things, and while we're taking over the body. Recent first on CNN scoops include stories of the Inspector General of the Department of Homeland Security telling the Secret Service to stop investi- investigating missing texts related to the January sixth insurrection, and First Lady's Jill Biden's press secretary. Leaving the White House. Why, if those aren't two of the most important stories of this generation, or any generation, really, I simply do not know what news stories are. These (laughs) news stories include that the first dog has fleas, and so does the president. Wow, that's a super scoop. CNN is just the latest news outlet under a new early stage management to swing out in a different direction. News organizations shouldn't swing out in different directions. News organizations that actually do news should only be in one direction whatsoever. And they should be treating administrations, regardless of party, the exact same way. They are not. That's the biggest problem with CNN, is they look at Joe Biden and they try to defend Joe Biden. They try to explain Joe Biden. They try to justify Joe Biden. They looked at Donald Trump and they tried to destroy him. I have no problem with them trying to destroy Donald Trump if they also tried to destroy Joe Biden or if they had no problem with them sucking up to Joe Biden if they also sucked up to Donald Trump. It is the different treatments with which I have a problem because journalism, to hear them tell it, they're the heroes. They speak truth to power. They are the only truth tellers out there, yet they are not. That's my problem, the hypocrisy. Indeed, CNN appears to be borrowing a page from CBS News, where co-president Neeraj Kamalani has been injecting new blood into the ranks of the for, in the form of correspondents like Robert Costa, formerly of the Washington Post, and Scott McFarlane, who has been with WRC, NBC's Washington, D.C. station. The mission at CBS News in recent months has been to land big scoops and get with uh, and gets with anchors doing both TV and streaming and let the viral pass along take care of itself. What's the big stories that have come out of CNN? I ask or CBS, I mean, I ask that because I don't know. There aren't really any. They aren't digging in. Look, there are, as I hear all of these people posturing, I mean, and this is variety. What the hell do they know? They're used to sucking up to monsters like Harvey Weinstein. So you can't really expect too much from them. But there are stories out there just ripe for the picking. There are stories out there, for example, about Hunter Biden and the Biden family ties to foreign governments and where that fortune comes from. Do you hear anything about that? On CBS, not really. Not really. 
Those are the kinds of stories that news organizations should be doing. As they sit there and try and tell you that they are the serious news outlet, they should probably try to act seriously in any sort of uh, mature, important kind of way, but they don't do it. They ignore it completely. But boy, howdy, Donald Trump says something about Saudi Arabia. Donald Trump, not the president, says something about Saudi Arabia in regards to 9-11 and the Gulf League, and that becomes a story. That's a big scoop. That's important. It doesn't matter. The truth doesn't matter to these people. News doesn't matter to these people. So as they all sit around and go, CNN is going to reamp itself. CNN needs to revamp itself because CNN's ratings are down by 50% over the past year. That's why. It's not some buddy at CNN woke up in a cold sweat going, I can't do this anymore. We need to get back to serious journalism. No, no. They were hemorrhaging viewers over the past five years and it didn't bother them. It doesn't bother them. It's something else going on. It's the business decision. The network's about to collapse because revenues are down over 40%. That's why when they absolutely run out of every other possibility, you can finally count on a progressive to at least consider doing the right thing. Governor Ron DeSantis down in Florida is right up there with Donald Trump as one of the most hated people in America for the crime of not being a liberal Democrat and more uh, more importantly, for the real true crime of having defeated a liberal Democrat there by denying liberal Democrats what it is that they want. Not allowed. Frowned upon by the uh, the left, the establishment, the... Powers. I love how these people are like, we're the rebellion people. We're, you're not. You're the absolute power of conformity, okay? You are the, the mean girls. That's what you are. You try to be, and nobody likes you. People live in fear of you for some weird reason, but nobody likes you. Anyway, yesterday on Twitter, DeSantis's spokeswoman, Christine Bouchard, pointed out that today, Ron DeSantis would be announcing something that would have the left absolutely soiling their underroots. And so there's a lot of various speculations. And, and honestly, it doesn't take a whole lot to get the left to soil their underroots, particularly Joe Biden, who the act of waking up, the shock of another day causes him to soil himself. So, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, well, now we know. Now we have the information. This is from uh, Florida's Voice. I assume this is a press release. I don't know. Says, uh, no, I guess not a press release. Governor Ron DeSantis suspended State Attorney Andrew Warren of the 13th Judicial Circuit for failing to pro uh, for failing to prosecuting. OK, maybe it was written really quickly for uh, failing to prosecute certain crimes and vowing to enforce vowing not to enforce certain abortion laws and potential laws related to sex change. See, Florida down there, they're trying to protect children from the politically correct groomers and the teachers unions and the liberal parents who are out there going, you know what? I, my child is, uh, is transgender. And you'd think, well, why would anybody, believe me, in liberal circles, this is something to aspire to. This is something to be proud of. You know, they used to have the 
bumper stickers of my child is an honor student at such and such a school. Now they're going to be my child is transgender. And the little stick figure things that they put on the back of the window, like, oh, there's the mom and the dad and the two kids and the dog and the cat and everything. They're going to have to come up with uh, one that is non kids that are non-gender specific. There's money in it. And right now, you know what? If you got the time and you're a graphic designer, come up with one. You're going to make money at it. Come up with a couple. Come up with one that's very serious and so all these left-wingers can make sure that they've replaced their their son with their daughter, but make sure that you still know it's not just a normal daughter, it's a transgender daughter or whatever, because they'll be proud of that. So you're going to see that, and then you, uh, you also come up with one that mocks it, and you'll probably make a ton of money. Sell the, sell the, it's like selling weapons to both sides in a war. You do that. All I ask for is 10%. Quote, the state's attorneys have a duty to prosecute crimes as defined in Florida law, not to pick and choose which laws to enforce based on its personal agenda, DeSantis said. This is exactly what I've been saying all along. This is how so many of our prosecutors exist. You can sit there and say that prostitution, they're not, gonna, they're not prosecuting prostitution. A lot of these progressive DAs are going out. It's a victimless crime. It's a victimless crime. And you want to shoot drugs up. There are a whole bunch of prosecutors who have announced publicly that they will no longer be prosecuting people for recreational drug use. Meaning if you're caught with a bit of smack on you, but it's not uh, enough smack to share with the whole class. You just brought enough smack for you. You'll be fine. If you got caught with enough smack for the whole class, then you might possibly be charged with intent to distribute. But probably not. Honestly, probably not. Because they don't really care. They, they'd much rather criminalize thinking improperly if you see some sort of gay rights militant screaming at somebody and you say hey i don't support gay right i think that there are only two genders you you'd face prosecution for a hate crime much more uh, readily than if you were caught with uh, a heroin kit and enough fentanyl to um, addict i don't know 20 people it's just a matter of priorities in the left. Well, DeSantis is looking at that and saying, no. As governor, governors have enormous, they very, very rarely flex this muscle, but they do have enormous power to make sure that the laws of the state, since it is their oath, that the laws of the state are being upheld and enforced. And if you absolutely steadfastly refuse to do such a thing as, you know, your damn job for politically correct purposes, the governors have the ability to remove you. And they should. They absolutely positively should. And so good on DeSantis for this. This is why I like him so much as uh, for a presidential candidate. I haven't seen DeSantis make a whole bunch of mistakes, personnel mistakes, or make press conferences or actions about him, but make them about him doing the right thing and him following the law. I like that. Continues, the governor called Warren's record troubling and pointed to a letter he signed promising not to enforce laws related to abortions and saying he would not enforce potential bans on sex change operations for minors. 
Sex change operations for minors. For minors. If you look for it, you can find a whole... You have to dig for it. But you can find a whole bunch of detransitioned teens and early 20s people who were indulged by their parents, embraced by their parents. Oh, they're trans. I love it. I love it. I love it. Who then... I don't know if they changed their mind, wised up, matured, get through that awkward point in childhood where you're sitting there. I never had that. I mean, everybody had awkward moments in in puberty, but nothing like that. But you get through it. You know why? Because everybody goes through awkward moments in puberty. Your body is changing from just a mindless play factory where all you do is have boundless energy and want to go out and play with toys and hang out with your friends and there's no difference between boys and girls you don't even care and then suddenly it matters suddenly it changes and you know wow now i really like girls and in that period you're like what in the hell is going on yesterday i didn't really i thought betty was gross i thought she carried cooties cootie pox and now I'm wanting to get some cootie pox. I don't know what the heck is going on. That's an awkward stage for every human being. Part of growing up is growing through that. But now it's, no, 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 that confusion we've got. That confusion you feel, that's normal. In fact, embrace it. Embrace that confusion. And there are people out there, groomers, dare I say it, literal groomers who are desperately hoping to confuse children for whatever. Some of them are for uh, nefarious purposes. Others are for, uh, they're just stupid and going along with politics as usual. There are a lot of people who simply have no ability to think for themselves and they live for whatever it is the party sort of shoves in their way. Either one of those groups should be anywhere near kids. But it is rather pathetic. Out there in San Diego, the school district out there is, the San Diego Unified School District, is pushing a policy that hides anything sexuality related from children. I mean, from their parents. Chris Rufo. San Diego is the guy who's discovered all this stuff. San Diego Unified School Districts claims that heterosexuality is, quote, a system of oppression, end quote, that promotes the idea that girls can have penises and encourages children to adopt synthetic sexual identities such as pansexual, genderqueer, and two-spirit. The district has gone all in on radical gender theory. The teacher training program mimics the narrative of the academic literature, quote, uh, white Europeans created false gender binary, man and woman, that, uh, quote, oppress trans, non-binary, intersex, and gender non-conforming people. According to the district, the gender non-binary has resulted in a system of heteronormative, normativity that distributes heterosexual and cisgender privilege, the sexual analogy of white privilege that, quote, results in institutional power for straight white men. The solution the district suggests is to dismantle the heteronormativity 
and the gender binary. This means eliminating gendered language and promoting synthetic sexual identities such as transgender, genderqueer, non-binary, pansexual, asexual, and two-spirit. Indulging people's delusions, child abuse through the school system, state-sanctioned child abuse. Actually, not sanctioned, state-ordered child abuse. Teachers are encouraged to share the principles of radical gender theory with their students and show them pictures of a woman with a beard, a boy in a dress, a teenage girl with a genderqueer identity, a boy wearing a tiara, and an infant with a gender-neutral baby name. San Diego Unified encourages teachers to promote non-binary identities to Latino children. They want, quote, a linguistics revolution to move beyond gender binaries, including the use of the term Latinx, which, quote, makes room for people who are trans, queer, agender, non-binary, etc., This is all being done under the guise of tolerance. And if you do not conform, you will be destroyed. They will kill you politically, professionally, and sometimes physically. Oh, no, but don't you understand? These people are suicidal at a higher... Yeah, maybe address why they've got mental problems and want to kill themselves, not pretend that their delusions are real. San Diego Unified trains teachers to use the principles of radical gender theory to answer questions such as, how do gay people have sex? What is porn? And what do various secretions taste like? That is what they're teaching out in San Diego, what they're pushing out in San Diego, the teachers' union, and the LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ mafia. Feeling better yet? You shouldn't feel completely defeated. You should feel angry, but you shouldn't feel completely defeated because most of the kids are seeing through this crap. Yes, there are some dumb kids. You can always con kids into a certain percentage of kids into believing anything. And a whole bunch of them will go along with it because it just seems like the thing to do. They'll lose interest in it sooner or later. But one fifth grade teacher out there, she's an idiot, She is getting trolled by her fifth graders on the idea of pronouns. Now, this woman is so committed to the cause that the concept that kids might not be falling for this crap and might actually be mocking her stupidity on this idea of pronouns and everything, that she doesn't doesn't get it. She's not sure she's being fooled with here. And so instead of, I don't know, thinking about it or even just having a conversation with a real friend, maybe she doesn't have real friends. I wouldn't be surprised if she didn't have real friends. But um, she instead decides to take to TikTok. That's one of the things. This is one of the best things conservatives we have going for us, ladies and gentlemen, is that these leftist morons are so bizarre. And their brains are so polluted that they feel comfortable and almost compelled in telling the whole world of their stupidity and what they're doing and the damage they're trying to inflict. And so we can stop it on an individual basis. But this teacher, she takes to her TikTok to find out whether or not she's being, well, is she being trolled by her fifth graders or not with this pronoun game? Because, well, I'll let her try to explain it. Okay, TikTok, I really need your help here on this one. I'm a teacher, I teach fifth and sixth grade, and uh, this morning, I don't know, somehow, 
um, the concept of pronouns came up. Um, and one of my students said, well, Miss O'Dell, did you even ask me my pronouns? And I was like, whoa, I hadn't actually asked him his pronouns and I had called him a him and I, I said, oh, uh, I'm so sorry. I haven't actually called you. I mean, asked you what your pronouns are and um, what are they? And he said, I'm sorry, banana said, banana and rock. And I was like, dude, no, like, don't mess around. I was, I was actually really upset because I thought he was making fun of it. And in fact, I'm still pretty sure he was making fun of it. And, uh, but they all agreed, no, like you can choose anything. Banana, rock, if you want banana and rock to be a pronoun, banana and rock's a pronoun. Is it? TikTok, tell me. <laughs> they're so stupid, they don't even understand what they're doing. They don't understand what they're embracing and they don't recognize the mockery of what they're embracing because they're so committed to it without understanding it. I don't know what's going on. Uh, you can have any gender you want. You can be anything you want. You can have your pronouns be everything you want. Oh, wait, your banana and, and hammer? Is that a banana and rock? Is that? Can you do that? Can you do that? Instead of just being in a dull room and going, no, you're a boy. You're, you're pronouns. Sit down and shut up. Instead, these idiots are being trolled and mocked by their students. And God bless them for it. We need more of this. And it, that banana and rock out there, that kid gives me hope. Just like that kid at the University of Michigan when they decided they would honor anybody's pronouns because that was what they do. And the one guy said that his pronouns were uh, his, your majesty. And so he had to be the school and all their correspondents had to just address him as your majesty. Keep trolling these people. Mock them ridicule them it's a powerful tool and frankly they deserve it anyway I want to shift gears here to let's see where do we want to go we had the idiot teacher we now have the democrats sort of coalescing around this inflation reduction act or oh, the inflation reduction act now that joe manchin has been exposed as a liar and a fraud and democrats are very excited that they're going to get this thing done but not so fast we still don't know where kirsten cinema is when it comes to this piece of legislation. She is not particularly happy with some of the provisions, according to published reports, in this piece of legislation that Chuck Schumer and Joe Manchin negotiated. She is not happy about certain aspects of the tax hikes, for example, that were pivotal in getting Democrat support. So will this thing actually come together? We still don't know, but never count Democrats out. They're willing to sell out very quickly and very easily. That being said, Democrats are getting it from both the right and the left. On the left, Bernie Sanders went down to the floor of the House of Representatives, or the United States Senate yesterday, and delivered a half an hour long speech about all the problems he has with this. Now, before you get too excited, I would point out that Bernie Sanders talks a good game, but then doesn't often follow through. Bernie Sanders recognizes the, the rule in politics that if you can't get 100% of what you want, as long as you get some of what you want, you're winning. Republicans don't understand this. Republicans go, it's got to be all or nothing. Oh, we didn't get uh, anything. Well, we tried. And then they walk away. Democrats go, I want 100%. And uh, they say, well, we got 60%. They go, well, that's 
that's good enough. They celebrate, they pat themselves on the back, and then immediately the next day they come back and start fighting for that 40% saying they act as though they didn't get the 60%. They fight as though they didn't get the 60%. They know exactly what they're doing. Republicans seem so wildly clueless as to be dangerously incompetent, to be perfectly honest with you. That being said, Bernie Sanders went down there and complained about this bill from the left. I hope he means it to the point that he either changes it so that uh, Cinema and Mansion can't vote for it, or uh, he refuses. He will never refuse to vote for it. But it would be nice if there were a big fight over amendments and this bill changes so dramatically that even the Democrats that they bought off like Mansion can't vote for it. Listen to uh, Barney Barney yesterday. President, my understanding is that the so-called Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, may be coming to the floor in the coming days. And uh, there are some people who think this bill is worth supporting. There are others who think uh, that it is not. But whatever your views on this bill uh, may be, let us be clear. Uh, As currently written, this is an extremely modest piece of legislation that does virtually nothing to address the enormous crises that working families all across this country are facing today. This reconciliation bill falls far short of what the American people want, what they need, and what they are begging us to do. Given that this is the last reconciliation bill that we will be considering this year, it is the only opportunity that we have to do something significant for the American people that requires only 50 votes and that cannot be filibustered. In other words, this is the opportunity because on anything significant, we're not going to get 60 votes. So this, in my view, is a moment that should not be squandered. Who are these people Bernie Sanders is talking to? They're begging for it. They're begging for these things that we're begging for. Who's begging? Go, please, please, Bernie. Tax the hell out of somebody else who's not me that I have no interaction with, whose existence has no impact on mine. Please raise their taxes. They must be made to pay, Uncle Bernie. Please, for the love of God, go get them. Oh, can we regulate this industry that I know nothing about? Can you just please? I I don't know how I'll sleep tonight if you don't go out there and ruin and destroy this industry, Bernie. Please go do it. Now, granted, he's from Vermont, and the people who live on the island where he bought his latest mansion are a whole bunch of wealthy liberals, and so maybe that is their priority. I woke up this morning and I... I cried knowing full well there were people out there living their lives in a way that I disapprove of, Bernie. You must destroy them, please, for the love of God. There are people out there providing jobs and and the basics in life for people, for themselves, that must be punished. Please, for the love of God, go get them, Bernie. But I don't think too many real human beings are out there losing sleep over these things. Just liberal Democrats. So Bernie's complaining that the bill's not liberal enough. I hope that sticks. I hope that they allow amendments, and I hope they radically change this. I hope the liberals get their way and they create a bill that can't pass out of the Senate because 
the Democrats hate it. That'd be lovely. Let us go now to, uh, well, we'll do Whoopi last. I just want to have you hear a Biden administration official straight up lie. You know people are, have lost their, their uh, care. They are out of Fs to give, be a way to put it. When they go on television and they just simply just lie, like they, they've tried to lie, they've tried to spin, and people aren't buying it. But they have a job, they have to go out there and lie. So they just go, you know what? I'm going to go out there and I'm just going to spew this BS everywhere. Hope everybody's got their hip waders on. I'm so sick of having to pretend just a little bit is that, no, no, this is a good thing. Or, no, I'm just sick of it. And then they just go out there and they flat out lie. It's an indication that they have talked to a whole bunch of people who ain't buying their stuff. That they're just out of it. They're out of F's to give. And that is the uh, case of Amos Hotstein. He is Biden's one of Biden's energy advisors. He was on Fox News yesterday, and he's trying to spin gas prices. It's amazing watching these people lie. They have no... Like, at some point, a normal human being would go, at some point, I'm going to have to live with this. At some point, I'm going to have to live with what I'm going to have to answer for it. I will leave government service, and I will need to have a job. But then you realize, no, these people are liberals. It doesn't matter what they do, how corrupt they are in their government service, how big of a fraud they are. They'll be fine. They'll take care of their own. I mean, for God's sakes, Democrats actively seek out terrorists to grant tenure in colleges. The Weather Underground became essentially the minor leagues for a whole bunch of college professors. They killed people. They blew up. They tried to blow up the Capitol. They they literally were responsible for murders. And they're like, you know what, though? When you get out of the joint, call me. I got a job. You'd be great in our sociology department. You'd probably be the head of the sociology department inside of five years after you're done doing your five years. Be great. So they they don't really have to. A normal person would go, ah. I'm going to have to answer. Now, you know, the left has sort of put every human being on notice that anything you wrote in a junior high yearbook is up for grabs and could end up causing you to be canceled. Every tweet you ever sent 25 years ago will be held against you. There are people who have a job to do to dig up those things and, you know, try to ruin your life. But if you're a liberal Democrat in service to the agenda, you can do whatever you want. You can say whatever you want. There'll be no accountability. There are only rewards. So when Amos Hotstein leaves the White House after saying things like you're about to hear, he won't have to go, oh man, at a minimum, I'm going to catch some hell from... No, it was in the service to the agenda, so it doesn't matter. It is agenda, uber alles, said in its original German, on purpose. Listen to him talk about gas prices. You want to talk about gas lighting. He is talking about gas prices and how gas prices were not going up before the invasion of uh, Ukraine by Russia. Not at all. In fact, they were. We all know that they were. But it doesn't matter. He spews this lie anyway because... The consequences will be nothing. 
Nothing. With, that, that's what the price he has to pay for lying, even though he's called out for it at the time. Still feared by a lot of analysts to come the fall because of inflationary pressures that the price of oil is going to go back up again. But let me just drill down <laughs> on what you said a moment ago about the war in Ukraine. We heard this president say over and over and over again, we heard every aide that, that was willing to you know, speak in front of a, a microphone say, it's Putin's price hike, it's Putin's price hike, it's Putin's price hike. You pointed out the war in Ukraine is still raging and prices are coming down. So what about this idea that this was Putin's price hike? Many people say that's a fallacy because the war is still raging and prices are coming down. Well, um, it's not a fallacy. Uh, if you look at the charts... So why are prices look coming where, down? Look, I, I'll explain. The prices start going up as soon as Putin starts uh, intervening but in the market in Europe. they were going up before that. No, no, they actually weren't. Uh, sure they, they were. They were going up. They were going... No, that's just factually not true. No, that's just factually not true. They were not... No, they were. Joe Biden takes off its gas prices were $2.17. Russia invades Ukraine. Gas prices were $3.50. That's quite a ways away. Russia didn't invade Ukraine until February of 2022. Joe Biden took office in January of 2021. Over the course of the ensuing 13 months, gas prices went up on average $1.77. Before Russia invaded. Before Russia invaded. Before the Putin price hike. And there he is. No, that's just factually not accurate. He's counting on people not knowing. He's counting on and, and believing that people are stupid. Maybe they are. Anybody who votes for these people kind of has to be. You kind of have to be a special kind of stupid to fall for that sort of gaslighting. Just really, it's unbelievable that they would do. And there's no like, well, he misspoke or anything. They're not trying to walk that back. They just throw a hand grenade into a room, lie, lie, lie. The stink bomb goes off and they walk away. Eh, whatever. Damn the torpedoes full speed ahead. Agenda uber alles. Speaking of agenda uber alles, we end today with Whoopi Goldberg. Good God. She's, uh, I say these people are, they are paid to be ignorant. No, they're, they're, they're paid and they're ignorant. The pay would normally cause a normal human being to go, I need to do a good job. No, these people are content in their ignorance. And they know that the people will watch no matter what. Doesn't matter if they're smart or they're not. As long as they agree with what the audience's sentiments are, it doesn't matter. Whoopi Goldberg was talking about abortion. She says that, uh, well, listen to it for yourself. And you, as you know, God doesn't make mistakes. God made us smart enough to know when it wasn't going to work for us. That's the, that's the beauty no. of giving us freedom of choice. No. Yes, because I know my relationship. You know, my relationship is always choppy. <laughs> With it's God. always choppy. God. With God, always, because I have a lot he of questions. You. You're his favorite. Oh, I listen, I, I, I have no doubt, but I also know <clears throat> that God made me smart enough to know that if there are alternatives out there that can work for me, I will investigate them. But I also know God said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I will not make that decision for anybody. God does not make mistakes. So, you know, uh, that's why abortion. Wait a second. What? What do you mean? God, God doesn't make mistakes so you can have an abortion. 
Wouldn't you be then saying if God has a plan for everybody, God doesn't make mistakes. So then how do you explain the pregnancy? Is the pregnancy a mistake on God's behalf or what? I mean, if you just think about this as like a third grader, you come up with craters, massive holes in what Whoopi's trying to say. But she's so stupid, it doesn't occur to her. that God doesn't make mistakes. Well, then you're saying God made a mistake with getting you pregnant and corrected that mistake with an abortion. I don't think that's how it works. No theologian, but I don't think that's how it works. Although I do have to give Whoopi props, and maybe she uh, is onto something there, having seen the movies that she's made outside of Ghost, and maybe the first sister act. Maybe God does make mistakes, or at least allows us the liberty to make them on our own. I don't think God had anything to do with Jumpin' Jack Flash or Burglar. I think God would have tried to stop it. Anyway, I appreciate the use of your ears. We're going to stop right there for the week. Get ready for the weekend. Have yourself a weekend. The Week in F and Review at patreon.com slash Podcast and or derekhunter.locals.com. We'll be live at 12.01 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So technically, still today, if you're out um, in any other time zone in the United States, and for your listening pleasure, for the low, low price of five bucks a month while you're there listening to it, also make sure that you enter the contest. Kurt Schlichter versus Dan Quayle. There you go. That's just one of the perks. And then next week we'll see who go, who wins and who goes up against the uh, the one that wasn't chosen. You can't say loser because it has nothing to do with them. But uh, there's always, always a contest, always something going on. Appreciate it. See you tonight, hopefully. Otherwise, have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday.